The Last Word with Matt Cooper. With us for our weekly TV and streaming, Joe Shane Cork, Elaine Burke is with us. And we've also invited Zara King, news correspondent with Virgin Media TV, in as well, because she'll talk to us in a moment about her documentary, which airs tonight. But I want to start with you, Elaine, because something I suppose to put in the diary for next Monday to make sure is this big BBC drama series based on the life of Jimmy Savile. Yeah, the life and crimes of Jimmy Savile, essentially, and uh, played by Steve Coogan, who seems to be very passionate about this project. Um, It was criticised quite early on, people questioning why you would televise this and kind of um, uh, nearly immortalise Jimmy Savile in this way. Uh, But... uh, Coogan's argument is the same reason why he would have done something like Philomena. It's to kind of expose these stories, bring these stories to light, make sure these things don't happen again through awareness. And judging by the trailer, it does look like he's doing a very convincing Jimmy Savile um, with all of the, his kind of bombast and the sinister side to him as well. Um, and it, I'm sure it was going to be a really tough watch over uh, four episodes um, and it starts next Monday night on BBC. Because, Joe Shea, there must be a careful balance to be struck here between putting something forward as entertainment, but also showing the horrors of what this man did. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were 450 allegations made against Savile. Savile's gone. He died in 2011, before, of course, all of this came out. Um, But a lot of his victims are still around as well. And the BBC has said that they are taking the victims very seriously and they're being very careful about how they portray the crimes. They don't want to kind of add to the trauma of people. But it's it's a four-part drama series and it's going to be a tough watch. I think it's going to be a very tough watch. I'm actually sure myself if I'm going to watch it. Okay, actually something else, Elaine, that is of a similar thing based on real life. A Channel 4 programme tomorrow called Partygate. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's kind of been described as a docudrama um, and it's it's based on Partygate, so that infamous Sue Gray report into the parties that took place at number 10 during COVID lockdowns. Um, but it, it's kind of been described as getting like the Adam McKay treatment if anyone saw that film, The Big Short, where it was depicting these real life events through these um, star players, but also had these kind of meta moments where people spoke directly to the camera. It's and half as good as The Big Short and the people <laughs> watching. <laughs> that yeah, would be ambitious now. Um, but like it has, you know, it has some great people from satirical comedies that we'd recognise, like Ophelia Lovey Bond and Hugh Skinner. Um, and it does look a bit wild from the ad, and it, I'm not sure how serious it's being taken. And, and I think there's something kind of funny going on there, where like let's not trivialise this uh, thing that happened because people were dying while these people were partying, and some people still uh, legitimately and rightfully so very sore about that. And I'm just not sure about this take on it at all. They're sure. going for. They're, they're going for. It's the same team that did uh, W1A, and they're, it, it's they're calling it a comic dramatization. But I think it's more satirical and dark and grotesque. I think what they're judging from what I've seen, what they're trying to do is kind of just show how absolutely awful and over the top and grotesque the whole thing was. So I think again, it, it, you know, people may take the, this the wrong way, but I think the, the one thing they're not trying to do is to kind of underplay or diminish what actually went on. Because this isn't the first effort to go and depict in drama what happened in the Boris Johnson 10 Downing Street era, is it? There was Kenneth Branagh played him yeah. in one particular COVID uh, series. 
Yeah, and and you know the funny thing is this is coming uh, you know at a very kind of dodgy time or bad time for the Tories as well because they're having their annual conference in Manchester and they just announced today that there's a, they're going to bin HS2 linked to Manchester or will be. This is the big train shortly. line to Manchester. The big, yeah, the so high speed. As train somebody line, said yeah. today, you wouldn't have made it up in the thick of it that they would yeah. go to Manchester, <laughs> to Manchester to announce <laughs> that they're abandoning the biggest yeah. project to yeah. Manchester in decades. In a century, the biggest in a century, <laughs> the biggest. Uh, it's it's crazy stuff. So. This party gate thing on Channel Four tomorrow, like coming on top of all of this. I mean, this is a it's a bad week for Rishi Sunak. Okay, now Zara King is with us from Virgin Media Television. Elaine actually had down uh, your program tonight uh, to die for cosmetic surgery in Turkey. It's on at ten o'clock tonight, and then we'll be on the player. Tell us what's in the program. So we have been hearing so much, Matt, and you've probably been covering on your own programme over the last year about people who have been travelling to Turkey having difficult outcomes and in sadly some cases people who are dying. And I suppose we decided that we really wanted to have a look at how this actually works. You know, what is the process of people going? How do you get there? How do you book it? Um, how does it all unfold? And I want to say from the outset that it does work out for a lot of people. You have to be honest about that and say that uh, surgery in Turkey works for a lot of people, but when it doesn't work out, um, it's an incredibly difficult situation to find yourself in. So we're hearing from people who've Uh, dealt with the consequences of that and particularly you know when it comes to accountability if something does happen to one of your loved ones in a lot of those cases people who've lost loved ones in the last year or two years still sitting there with absolutely no answer as to what exactly happened. Do we know how many Irish people have died as a result of surgeries in Turkey? Figures given to us over the summer um, by the Department of Foreign Affairs tell us that they dealt with 12 very serious cases and Micheál Martin cites um, including um, nine Irish deaths and three with medical complications. Um, so they're the figures they have up to date at the moment as of the summer. I suspect there are actually more than that though because you know even when we hear from families that there are certain families who uh, were happy to talk to us off the record for the documentary but were almost afraid to go on camera because they didn't want to jeopardise the outcome of their investigations. And I know some of those families will be listening to your programme this evening and saying, you know, they're still none the wiser as to what happened to their loved one. We had Keith Duffy with us last week about his programme, mm. Keith's Teeth, which looked into the history of Irish dentistry and people going to Turkey to get veneers and stuff done, yeah. which is very much at the cosmetic end. But mm-hmm. What other types of surgeries are taking place there? What sort of other cosmetic surgeries and then more serious ones? Yeah, I suppose, you know, people would talk about, say, for example, bariatric surgery not being cosmetic, but in fact being a medical procedure. And, Absolutely. you know, it's it's much more of a sort of a medical procedure and, and it's less about image and more about health and wanting to be well. And, you know, here in Ireland, if you want to have bariatric surgery in the public system, you'll wait four years for that and be put through the weight management clinic in Lachlanstown. And, you know, it's a multidisciplinary um, process though and people will go through psychological assessments and everything and it, that's something that came up as well was you know the mental health aspect of this that you know you go through an enormous change physically but it's about whether or not mentally you're prepared for that change as well um, so a lot of the cases that came up were bariatric surgery people travelling for, for gastric sleeve uh, also you know a lot of the people that we spoke to particularly the surgeons will tell you that things like the Brazilian butt lift is in fact or bum lift as you call it um, is one of the more complicated procedures for example if you get that done in Turkey um, and and you're travelling back home, which is a five hour flight from Istanbul to Dublin, you can't really sit down for most of the flight. You know, you're given a donut to sit on and um, like a kind of a ring and you can sit for takeoff and landing, but you actually have to keep moving around the aircraft for most of the journey. It's quite complicated. Okay, let's just hear a little bit in relation to the bariatric surgery. Professor Helen Heenan, mm-hmm. who has been a guest here on the programme previously, very interesting woman. Let's hear a little bit of what she has to say to you. 
A lot of patients are given uh, or promised discounts on further procedures, which to me is just trying to maximise their, um, their, their income. And they don't know any better in terms of being able to say, no, I don't need that. You know, they're being told by a healthcare professional that they need something with very little evidence and, and, and workup. So these, you know, what I would call quite shoddy practices are, are certainly happening. So I've had a patient back who had both a sleeve gastrectomy and a rhinoplasty at the same time um, and had difficulty both eating, drinking and breathing, you know, which has led to a very difficult uh, and complicated recovery. That's Professor Helen Heenahan. Sarah, I know a couple of people who have done this who both mm. lost about eight stone in weight mm-hmm. by doing this and are so, so happy that they actually did it. Mm-hmm. But the issue as well, there's a couple of issues. You've already said about the length of time waiting on the public system. How much cheaper is it then to go? Or what prices are charged when you go over there? So it really depends on where you have it done. So, you know, the, like it can be, I think, sort of as low as €3,000, which includes your flights, accommodation, your transfer, you're picked up from uh, the airport and brought to the hospital. Um, it's an extra 500 if you want to bring a friend that can come with you. It depends. There's packages in various different hospitals. So it can be, you know, very affordable and very accessible, Matt. And I suppose, you know, this prior to, you know, this kind of latest revelation, this was the preserve of Hollywood A-listers, you know, the idea of sort of um, getting an opportunity to to have all this work done or whatever. But it's interesting in terms of, I suppose, um, the motivation and the reasons why people go. It's so varied. You know, um, one of the psychiatrists that we spoke to said that they had seen an increase in the prevalence of body dysmorphia in Ireland. But also, you know, it's that idea. You you could sit there and say, you know, it's all social media, but actually it's not just social media now. As you say, you know two people or you you can name people. You know, I, I remember when we first mooted in the office about doing this documentary I walked down to the canteen at work and the lady in the canteen said she knew four people on her road not her community on her immediate road who had been and who had travelled and who had in some cases taken out loans to pay for this kind of work Was this for bariatric surgery? Or was it a for mixture other of things? bariatric uh, rhinoplasty was another one uh, and teeth as well you know lots of different things you know and, I, and to be clear it does work for a lot of people but I think the issue as well is that um, so many people are going on the word of mouth recommendation well, Exactly how do you get a yeah. decent recommendation how can you have confidence that you are going to a reputable surgeon and not yeah. some sort of con artist? Well, the truth is there is no official list in Turkey of who's licensed and unlicensed. And uh, Dr. Firkin Kayan is a surgeon we spoke to in Chorlu Hospital in Istanbul. Um, and he worked with one of our case studies with Leanne, um, who had basically had a very positive outcome in a sense that she had her bariatric surgery actually done by Helen Heenahan in Vincent's. She waited the four years. But then because of the rapid weight loss, she had um, excess skin and needed a skin removal surgery, which isn't accessible here in Ireland. So she went to Dr. Kayan in in Istanbul and had a very successful outcome. But even speaking to him about his industry and asking him, you know, look, how do, how can you guarantee Irish people that they can find the right person to go to? He would concede that there isn't a list online that you can say, right, I'm going to go to Dr. So-and-so and they're definitely licensed and registered, you know. And one of the solicitors that we spoke to in Turkey who deals with a lot of the cases of people who have died will tell you the exact same thing that, you know, you will have unlicensed practitioners who are operating and there's just no way of telling the difference. You know, there's no official channel for you to, to confirm whether or not the person you're going to is officially licensed. George, this strikes me as well as another example that it's not only RTE that does public service broadcasting. Yeah, this is this is very important uh, reporting on a very important subject, and one that you know is in ev- people in every community in Ireland are doing. Uh, she's right in that. Zara's right in that. It's not just middle class people doing this. There's people who are saving up, taking out credit union loans, all that kind of stuff to go and get these procedures done. So it's great that you know shining a light in it and, may, and actually getting people to ask the right questions that they need to be asking about going to get these procedures done. 
The reason I bring up the public service element is is because that still is the majority of what RT does, Joe. But it looks like the numbers paying their licence fee continues to go into freefall. Yeah, this is this is very bad news for RT, and it's a real you you know they're going to be in a lot of trouble about this because there was a new um, survey in the Irish Times uh, Ipsos opinion poll that showed that forty percent of people say they either probably will not pay or definitely won't pay uh, their TV licence. 40%, you know, 4 out of 10 people. And that's that's a huge, huge gap in, in finances. Uh, you know, there's the income, licence fee income has been down 10 million since that huge controversy broke in the summer. And it's going to, you know, it's, it, it, it's caught, we've already seen it and the government's having to look at scrambling to get, you know, bailout payments and stuff like that. How RT turned this around is going to is difficult to see, and but it is good. they're going to have to take some sort of action because this it can continue for them. Elaine, another homemade RT program that you are looking forward to on Wednesday night is Fools for Love. What's this about? Yeah, this is a look into the world of online dating and looking into the the murkier side of it. So things ranging from abusive messages all the way to romance scams, identity theft and uh, the non-consensual sharing of intimate images. Um, It's led by Aoife Moore. She speaks to some really interesting people, including cyberpsychologist Nicola Fox Hamilton, who's been just done great research in the space, really revelatory work there. And yeah, so it's just this one-off documentary that's going to look into that world. And if you're someone who's not familiar with what goes on in online dating, or if it's a thing that you're thinking of getting involved in, these are things to be aware of. I'd say at this stage, there's lots of people who have Mm. been involved in online dating, Sarah. Oh, after, I think this is going to be a brilliant one and Aoife Moore is no better woman to front something like this. I think it's going to be really interesting and um, she's been sharing a little bit on social media. It looks pretty, pretty good. Okay, and I just want to get to the Big Brother reboot. Elaine, are I mean, you looking forward to Big Brother reboot? <laughs> My main note on this is why? Um, I think it's been five years why since not, we've Elaine? Why not? Big Brother. <laughs> Because um, I, I actually, my mom is a massive Big Brother fan, and she hasn't even really mentioned that this is happening. So I don't even know. Sorry, did Big Brother get into trouble because effectively it was seen to be a lot of psychological bullying. That yeah. the reason why Big Brother ended was is because it just didn't treat the contestants fairly. We're in a media space at the moment where there's been a lot of media reflecting on these kind of late '90s and early 2000s um, reality TV shows that eventually put people through the ringer um, at the cost of, ent- of entertaining the. Ma- the nations and to have Big Brother come back in that space is intriguing to say the least um, I just don't know what the demand is for something like this anymore um, who, who is looking for this and are they Joe, going to do the old things no I, I don't think like, it's going to look um, do you remember when Big Brother came out first and it was mind blowing and it was so different we'd never seen anything like it before no it's, it's beyond tired I can't understand why they're rebooting it except for they know there will be some sort of brand recognition they'll probably get some sort of audience what's your pick of the week Joe um, right, I'm a bit of a history nerd and tonight on BBC Two at 9pm I'm very excited about this a big thumping BBC history documentary series and it's very topical because it's David Olasoga, the historian and it's it's called a Union and it's about the history of the union between Ireland as was England, Scotland and Wales at a time when the Scots seemed to be pushing or very, a lot of them pushing for independence even the Welsh are talking about independence now, the union's in trouble we have, we're talking about border poles and about unify, uh, reuniting Ireland as well, so this goes right back to the very start and the first episode is on tonight at 9pm and it looks at the, the the start of the first act of union in 1707 which actually led to the plantation of Ulster so this is all, I mean you know, This is directly relevant to our history Yeah, 
Exactly, very, very much so. Because uh, episode two is about the act of union between Ireland and England in 1801 that, that closed our, the parliament in Dublin. I think Irish viewers are going to find this fascinating. Elaine, your pick of the week is something that Roe recommended to go and see in the cinema last Thursday. Oh, well, now you can watch it on Netflix, which is nice and convenient. And I'm cheating a little bit because they oh, are Sorry, it films. wasn't in the cinema. I went straight to Netflix. My uh, apologies yeah. for that. Yes. Um, yeah, they're films, but they're short films. These are Wes Anderson's uh, Rodal shorts that uh, they kind of dropped one a day on Netflix last week. And uh, the leading piece is the wonderful story of he- Henry Sugar. That's the longest of the lot. That's about 39 minutes long. And the others are about 17 minutes each. So they're these nice, brief little beautiful pieces of filmmaking in the typical Wes Anderson style if you're familiar with his work but what he's done here is actually quite unique in that he is using all of Rodal's words in the dialogue in, in terms of people are actually saying I said and he said um, and it's just a really beautiful tribute to Rodal's work um, and some lesser known stories that are kind of more seen as Rodal's only ventures into like YA kind of writing. They're aimed at more older teens and um, older children. Uh, so the Swan, the Ratcatcher, Poison. They're not the names that we've heard before. So it's not stories you might be familiar with and definitely worth a look. All right. That is the, uh, what's it called again? Uh, it's just, if you look up Wes Anderson and Rodell on Netflix, you'll get four different films and Excellent. it's those, those ones. All right. Thank you very much, Elaine Burke and Joe Shea and also Zara King and her documentary To Die For Cosmetic Surgery in Turkey will be on at 10pm this evening on Virgin Media 1 and then presumably on the Virgin Media Player as Absolutely. well afterwards. Absolutely. Okay. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.